This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Were the real stars of 1980s television the vehicles? I'd say buckle up, but I'm not sure that we had seatbelts in the 1980s. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of the idiots. An objective defense of 1980s pop culture. From a couple of idiots. My name is Will, and joining me as always is my friend and my co- What are you, why are you shaking your head? You know how this goes. Is that what it is? Yeah. You're just getting bored of it? No, no. I just like listening to it and bobbing my head along. Oh, okay. Ray. <laughs> <laughs> how are we doing today, Will? You're doing great. Mm-hmm. Having a lot of fun today. Um, and we've got so many fun things to talk about today, including our the results from our first ever annual Crash Madness 2020. Two cars enter, one car leaves. Yes, So today we're going to be talking about our favorite vehicles from 1980s television and films. And a little bit later, we'll be speaking with stuntman and member of the Northeast Ohio Dukes, Raymond Kahn, about the stunts he does in some of our favorite vehicles from those shows. Uh, But before all that, let's get caught up on 80s news. Okay, so... You know, I really wish so much of 80s news wasn't becoming another property that they're rebooting or remaking or uh, sequels I don't mind so much, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But that's where we're at. You know, when we first started doing this and, you know, talking about things, I was like so excited about all these. Look, the 80s is alive. Yeah. Now maybe the 80s needs to be less alive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess not in the sense that they're remaking things from our childhood. Right. We want sequels. Yeah. So, in anyway, in keeping with those news, and keeping with the sequel, we have word regarding Indiana Jones 5, I don't know if you heard this, that Steven Spielberg will no longer direct it. What? Yeah. Shocking, right? It's rumored that uh, James Mangold is in early talks to take over, and James, James Mangold, I hope I'm saying his name right, Mangold. That's how it's going to be. I, yeah, it is what it is. James Mangold, uh, and you'll, uh, if you don't know, you probably do know, he most recently directed Ford versus Ferrari, but before that he directed The Wolverine and Logan and a number of other films uh, before that. You, did you like those movies? I'm judging from your uh, well, expression, maybe not. I would not put them on level with uh, Indiana Jones, let's put it that way. Yeah, but what? But in fairness to him, I haven't seen Ford and Ferrari yet, yeah. so I've heard that movie's really good. Yeah. It looks cool. But I haven't seen it yet. I can only uh, say based off of the Wolverine stuff. And based on that, I don't know about this one. Wow. I loved Logan. Well, Wolverine I thought was good too, but Logan, I really loved Logan. Didn't make it through the whole movie. Oh, okay. And I just realized the fact that he directed Ford versus Ferrari is a nice tie into our our show this uh, today. Mm, That's true. I thought you did that on purpose. Yes, I did. I'm just pointing it out now because I wasn't sure you realized um, so, yeah, it seems like he is going to be taking over. Uh, Spielberg is going to be a, quote, hands-on producer still, so that's good news. And other good news for me in connection with it, George Lucas has retired and is not expected to be officially involved at all. That's, Yay! That's garbage. That is garbage. George I, deserves to have his fingerprints on it <laughs> in some way or some shape. I'll remind you that regard. I know you. I know you've come around and you love Crystal Skull now. Yeah, I do. That when um, George Lucas approached uh, Steven Spielberg to direct the next, the Indiana Jones four, Spielberg said, "No, no, no, no. I'm done. We, we've done all that." 
And Lucas said, I have this great idea. And he tells him the story, what happens in Crystal mm-hmm. Skull. And Spielberg said, no, I'm not doing another movie with aliens in it. I did closing can right. owners. I did right. AI, all these things. And Lucas said, no, 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 they're not aliens. They're interdimensional beings. And then the cash pile slid. It had to be. Well, And then Spielberg said, you know what? That makes perfect sense. <laughs> it, it had to be, right? I mean... I didn't know they were interdimensional beings. I thought they were aliens until I read that article, you know, after the movie hey, came It was out. pretty clear in the movie. Is that right? Yeah, pretty clear. Well, like I told you, I was kind of nodding off at that point. But this summer, we're going to watch it. Okay. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, I guess if we make an episode out of it, then uh, I'll be there. Do you remember the toys Mask, M-A-S-K, from the 1980s? Hmm. I do not. Yeah. I, 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 I only by name remember them, but there was a toy line that was launched in 1985. As a, it was a toy line and a cartoon uh, mask standing for Mobile Armored Strike Command, who fought against Venom, which stood for Vicious Evil Network of Mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like they came up with the name of the bad guy, the acronym first, and worked their way backwards, right? Oh, that's how you sell things. Yeah, an acronym. You need mm-hmm. an acronym. So Venom, or Mask rather, is getting a film. I didn't know that. Maybe we don't really care. What? But... <laughs> That's getting a film? Come on. You know, you, talk, where is Megaforce? Why can't they remake that instead? <laughs> well, you, you know, you're, they're going to get there. Let's face it, yeah, right? That's true. I mean, I started this off by saying there's maybe too many 80s things being kept alive. <laughs> maybe some of them just need to go back back to the 80s. But yeah, and, it, and it's, it, it, you know, they're putting a lot behind this. Um, it's, it's going to be uh, written by uh, a gentleman who just came off the success of having written Bad Boys 4, uh, Chris Bremer, who wrote Bad Boys for Life and is already writing the sequel to the next Bad Boys movies, has been tapped to direct uh, this movie for Paramount and Hasbro. I would have guessed Michael Bay would have directed this. Michael, well, yeah. Although, well, that would have been my guess. You know, in other good news, and this is maybe a story for next week, but Michael Bay, you know, is we're getting more Transformers movies, but Michael Bay's not involved anymore, so that's mm. yay, another yay. Yeah. Okay, good. And this movie, Mask, not Transformers, is going to be directed by F. Gary Gray, who helmed The Fate of the Furious in the Men in Black International uh, films. I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie. I saw the first one. Yeah. And that was it. I, well, I did see that spinoff movie. Um what was it? Uh, the two there's, guys. There's a spinoff movie. Yeah, with a uh, Rock What's and Jason Statham, Turner and Hooch, or Rocket um, and Tubbs. Yeah, What's something it called? like that. Uh, uh, it's something like that. It's something. It's kind of eighties. <laughs> wow, yeah. wow, I did see it, but it's not from the eighties, so I don't remember it. I guess. Okay, so in other look, this just instead of calling this eighties news, we should just call it sequel and reboot news. What, yeah, the reboot, revival, and remake series. If you could, if you could name any movie from 1987 or the 1980s, probably there's probably a long list of things we don't want touched, right? We I think we talked oh, about course, this with yeah. Scott. Yeah, like I think you said Goonies, and the second I said it, <laughs> right? Hollywood went nuts and just ran all over the place right? and said, "We're going to do it." Right. So what? screw that guy. So you said you, Goonies, you can't touch, and we have this Goonies sort of you know uh, tangential Goonies movie TV show coming out. Yeah. So here's another one. Maybe you listed this one, too. The Lost Boys. Yeah, I'm not real keen on them remaking that either. So it looks like it's being turned into, you know, and even worse than being a remake of a movie, it's going to be a CW TV show. And, and they'll probably turn it into a comedy, like they did with the Archie gang. Is that a comedy? I don't think that's a comedy. What, Lost Boys? No, oh, no, no, no. I meant the Archie thing they did, Riverdale. That's what I mean. They took a, the Archies and turned them into a horrible, oh. crappy show. Yeah. 
No, it's, uh, that would be my guess. Because, um, so the description that I'm getting from Deadline about the show is it says, um, it is when a mother and her Gen Z sons uh, move to the seaside town where she grew up, they discover a sinister reason. The local kids sleep all day and party all night, never grow up, and never get old. So it sounds like the film there, but I could picture it being a Riverdale where you've got way too hot uh, high school kids. Where the Frog Brothers are hot. (laughs) Exactly, right. They spend all day working out and drinking energy drinks at night. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's ripped. Yeah. For some reason, there's a reason for their shirts to be off a lot of the times. And that was was the reason I hated uh, Fear of the Living, or what was it? Fear of... uh, Fear Fear of the Living Dead? Fear of the Walking Dead. Yeah. Hmm. The yeah, heroin junkie is a ripped yep. young dude. Oh, yeah. You ever seen a heroin junkie in real life? <laughs> they don't look like they spend a lot of time in the gym. He had all his teeth, this guy yeah. on the show. I, I watched one episode, and as soon as that guy was on it, I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. All right, look, there's more reboots and stuff we can talk about, but I really would rather not at this point. So can we just say that's 80s news? Yeah, we can. All right. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. oh. I told you. I told you. I got it. <laughs> I had to cut a how to edit around it a little bit, do some trimming. Um, all right. So today on the show, we're going to be talking about uh, vehicles from our favorite 1980s television uh, shows and films. And a little bit later, we're going to be speaking with a gentleman named Raymond Kahn, who is part of the Northeast uh, Ohio Dukes, which is a stunt organization that does stunt shows featuring, among other things, the General Lee. That's pretty cool. And we're going to hear all about how he came to do that and how he does it. And uh, spoiler alert, he's risking his life for uh, nostalgia. You know, you and I, we we do a podcast. (laughs) This guy, you know, he's lucky to walk away from his, you know, uh, the thing he does as a tribute to his childhood. Everybody has a part to play. Although getting down the basement stairs to the (laughs) rumpus room... (laughs) For you, that's a challenge. It could be a challenge, yes. You could end up with a broken foot. Yes. I, yes, I, as, and you're saying that because that happened once. Yes, okay. All right, so, but before all that, let's you and I talk about some vehicles from these favorite uh, 1980s properties. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think we should, we should, let's not bury the lead here, and let's just announce that um, our Crash, tw- Crash Madness 2020 has come to an con- exciting conclusion. And in the finals, we saw Christine mm-hmm. go up against the Batmobile, from 1989. From 1989. And we are happy to announce, uh, or certainly announce, uh, that mm-hmm. Christine was the winner. And as a result of that, uh, the winner of our brackets uh, is Bart Arnold. Congratulations, Bart. With 39 points. Uh, he got a number of them. Again, he, he called enough of the races right, of course, obviously, to win the whole thing there. So are you surprised at all that Christine and the Batmobile made it to the finals? I am kind of surprised because I thought that General Lee was going to take this whole thing. Yeah. Now, when you were thinking about it, I mean, we talked about this as being a demolition derby of t- sorts of types. Other people voted just based on what was cooler yeah. cars. and I voted on which car I liked better. Yeah. That was the way I voted. I didn't care about anything else. I just voted which one I thought was the cooler car. So General Lee was going to win it for me. So the fact that Christine made it and the Batmo- Batmobile made it to the finals, it seems like other people may have been taking it. You know, the way we described the competition, mm-hmm. which was who would survive a, you know, all right. out head-to-head collision type uh, challenge. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I can see why Christine won. And we, when we talked about having um, that the, the vehicles had whatever special abilities they had in the films or television shows that we could see. So if you found on the internet they had some kind of wacky thing that we didn't know about, that doesn't count. But if you saw <laughs> them do it in a show or a movie, all right. 
And we're going to talk about some of the cool things these vehicles did do in shows yeah. and movies. Um, but taking it, you know, thinking of it that way, I could see why people would suggest Christine because, you know, mm-hmm. Christine, and I'll probably say she at least more than once because the car has a female name. But Christine did have some supernatural ability. But I was surprised that the Batmobile didn't necessarily win because to win a demolition derby, you just got to be able to drive away. And Christine, you know, we know, and I think you want to talk more about her special yeah. powers. You just had to get her to a point where she couldn't drive enough for the Batmobile to, you know, be able to leave the competition and be the winner. I just don't think that would happen, though. All right. So do you want to explain? All right. I'm going to explain why Christine? I, yeah, why I think Christine won this. There's a scene in the movie yep. where this dude is standing next to his car at the gas station with his baseball bat, yep. all jacked up and ready to fight. Here comes Christine. T-bones his car. Boom. Starts backing up, stuck to the car, finally breaks free. Guy's like, yeah, get out of the car, you jerk. (laughs) But what does Christine do? Slams that car right into the gas station at full throttle. Gas is leaking everywhere. And obviously what happens next? The whole thing catches fire. Of course. And explodes. Mm -hmm. But what does Christine do? She backs right out of that mess. (laughs) Yeah. Runs over two gas pumps in the process. Mm-hmm. The car is completely engulfed in flames. Right. Oh, yes. And now it's chasing him down the street. Just that great image of the car coming through the fire. Yeah. And But now you see the car coming down the street, yep. and it's on fire, and it just looks really cool. Yeah. And I think that's the image that's stuck in people's heads. Mm-hmm. And then it runs him over and leaves him <laughs> as a fiery mess in the road oh. as it drives away on fire. Oh. And then in the morning, yeah, perfect again. Perfectly fine, yeah. So it can survive an explosion. I, I think that's. I think everyone just had that image in their head of that scene. So having that ability, yeah, I could see why uh, you know people would think she would go all the way and ultimately wins the Derby. But the bat again, I think the Batmobile just had a totaler enough that she you know didn't fix, wasn't able to fix herself in time because. She didn't fix herself until that moment. She was really damaged. Uh, we know the ending of the film, spoiler alert, you know, she's uh, compressed into a cube. Mm-hmm. And we know she's going to be okay because I think the grill shakes, something indicating she's still, quote, alive. But she's damaged enough that she's not able to compete, so Batmobile could, could win in that search. She just had uh, well, incapacitated. her. Once again, given the, the fact that how expensive it is to fix your car, yeah. I would rather have Christine. Because you wreck your car, instead of going through your insurance and thousand dollars, yes. let the car fix itself. Let it do what it does at night. I, I don't care. Go do your thing, car. You got it. Just get me to work in the morning. You got to get some souls. All right, hey, you do you. Right? Yeah. I can't drive the Batmobile to work. Too much attention. Uh, that's true. Um, but you, you, yo, I just thought of a great prank to play, and I, I wonder if anybody's done this. I'm not gonna look it up because it'd be more fun to talk about. Somehow we find out we have we're gonna have to work with Uber or Lyft. Someone orders her Uber or Lyft, and a driverless Christine shows up. Do you get in that car? Of course, you do. Of course, I get in. All right, because yeah, okay. It'd be interesting to see how many ah, people get in Christine. And I could sleep on my way to work. That's true. It would just take me to work and wake me up when I get there with that radio song it likes to play. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe you can get her to update her playlist too. But she could play uh, Wham when I get to work. <laughs> Whatever you want. She's got it all on download because she's a demon or something like that. 
So cool. So congratulations, Bart Arnold, uh, on your big victory. So we're going to be talking about these cars from the 1980s today. Uh, you know, Christine was one of them, and there's so many others that we're going to talk about. Um, I thought it was interesting that the 1980s was a decade where we had so many. It really seemed to begin in the 1970s, but the 80s even more so because we know the 80s was big for everything. So many cars. You could also add motorcycles, helicopters, boats mm-hmm. that were the stars of TV shows. Oh, yeah. And I, I thought, like, why? How, how is it that it was that case then and really hasn't been since? Um, because the internet and computers and phones are now the stars of TV shows. Yes. Basically, yep. the heroes just go, let me sit in front of my computer thing, and that big, you know, virtual right. reality screen pops up, and they go... And they slide their fingers all over it and right. swash this way and <laughs> swish that way. And then the problems are figured out. Yeah. They know where to go. On the shows we watched, they yeah. got in a car and said, we're going down to the docks. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to see what we find out. Yeah. And usually that car ended up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> you remind me that so many of the shows that we watched were, you know, because they featured these vehicles, included like how they got from one place yeah. to another. Like, now it would just be cut to, you know, they're at the docks. Let's yeah. go to the docks. We're at the docks. Right, and they get out of their little smart car. Like, I couldn't name to you uh, a car used on any other show than probably a show from the 80s. Hmm. But you're right. And as usual, why do I look anything up? Because you already hit the answer <laughs> that I find. But I, I found this article from the Washington Post from 2015 that analyzed this idea, like, why cars were huge in the, you know, 50s, 60s, through the 80s, and then started, you know, our interest started dying off. And they quote a historian in there um, named Mike Berger. And Mike is a historian who studies the social effects of cars. And he basically said the same thing to you, that automobiles are not as important anymore in people's lives. At the time, you know, when it, starting in the 50s and so on, it provided the means for teenagers to live their own lives. It was a sense of freedom. You had a car, you could drive away from your parents, you know. You didn't need them to get around. Or you needed a car to go see your friends right. and connect with them. Now... You have social media. You have a phone. You don't need any. You don't need to call for those things mm-hmm. anymore, which is sad. Cars are now more like how they were in eighties shows, like Kit. There are more of a chance of actually being like that today, but we still have less of an interest in cars. You know, our current mm-hmm. culture, right? Um, the amount of time, you know, and we we mostly see this portrayed in, in the eighties films a lot because a lot of the eighties stuff is a hearkening back to the fifties, as we've talked about, souping up a car. Painting a car, understanding how it works, customizing it so it's personal to you is what people do with their phones now with different cases and apps and ringtones. Yeah, rather than having flames down the side of your car on the paint job, you now have it on the back of your phone. Yes. Oh, yep. boy. Okay. So that being said, you know, all this points to the fact that in the 1980s was the, for us, and probably, I mean, for all time, the decade that had the most Again, starring vehicles. Some shows, the, the cars were the star of the show. Oh, yeah. The, the 80s is the creme de la creme of car shows. In fact, it was because of that, it was real easy to find 32 cars to be in the Crash Madness. We had more than that. Yeah, I was going to say, we probably had 60 cars on yeah. the list. We just decided to make it manageable for us. We had a, <laughs> we, we had cut to, it down. Yeah, we had to cut a bunch of them out. Otherwise, it would be going into uh, June. Right. So we can't really, uh, look, we, need, we would need several podcasts to talk about all of the awesome vehicles um, that were featured in our, our Crash Madness. But I thought it'd be fun to touch base at least on some of the coolest ones and what makes them the coolest ones 
to us. Excellent decision. That? Okay. I think many of them, not surprisingly, came from our, what we called our eight men out, which was the elite eight in our brackets, which of course included uh, the Batmobile, the 89 Batmobile and Christine, but other cars were in there too. Doc's DeLorean, Stripes Urban Assault Vehicle. I'm surprised that didn't go further along, just from the sheer mass of it. Yeah, and it's from a great movie. And yep. um, if you remember, yep. um, they break through the Czech border. Yes. And the guy is on top of it. <laughs> right. And he says, I'm getting too old for this shit. So I did look at, you know, knowing that, yeah, because you told me that uh, earlier, I, I did do a little bit of research, because this is a little bit of a tangent, but apparently that phrase has been said in many movies. I think we've decided we're going to do a whole episode just about that phrase. We could. From the 80s. Yeah. It's, it's apparently some variation of it is said in many films in the 80s. Most of them, I think, predate Lethal Weapon. Okay. Side note. Mm-hmm. The Ecto-1. Ecto-1 is just cool because it's the Ghostbusters car. Now, I thought this would have been maybe a little bit of a stretch, but wouldn't it have been cool to see Ecto-1 versus Christine? See where I'm going here? Mm-hmm. That would have been cool. I don't know. The car itself didn't have any special powers, yeah. the Ecto-1. It's just a really cool car, yeah. though. The That's idea, the problem, yeah. I guess the idea of a Ghostbuster going, ag- going against a possessed car... Mm, that you know that seems like something now. If the Ghostbust, if the Ecto One could actually capture ghosts, I guess. Mm, yeah, it also would have been cool to see the Wraith and Christine then. Yes, right. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. What, what, which which car do you like better? The look of Christine or the Wraith? I like Christine better. Hmm. It's just that uh, sort of Americana, that classic. It, it, uh, it has that classy look to it. Yeah. I like my cars like I like my women. Oh, here we go. Wait, can I- <laughs> and murderous. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, let me try to guess based on what Christine looks like, but I wasn't. Gonna, that's way better than anything I was guess. Um, so, Mad Max is Ford Falcon XB Coupe. This is a badass car. Yeah, I wanted that car or something like it ever since I saw Road Warrior. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think I've had cars that were painted that dull primer color black yeah. just mm. because of that car. I wanted that car with the. Uh, you know, what did he have? A, the, he, did he have his uh, gun or machete? Yeah, or he's got guns. He's hidden got a, underneath it, remember? He's got a dingo in the sidecar. I, I think it's mach- passenger seat. His machete's hidden under there <laughs> underneath the, the, the kill switch. Yeah. And also, do you remember Informa- Information Society, the band? You know, uh, What's On Your Mind? I want to know what you've been thinking. In their music video, I think that one, they have a car that's kind of like that. So when I was a kid, as a teenager, I thought, I'm old enough to get a car and afford it. I'm just going to get some junky car, like, you know, a Ford Falcon. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, like you said, the primer dull color. Mm -hmm. Get a bunch of accessories or whatever. I don't know. I had no skill to do this. I don't know how I was getting getting to there. But I imagine driving around in this, you know, crazy looking car would be cool. I assumed you just went to the dealership and just said, (laughs) I would like the Mad Max car, sir. (laughs) Yes, I'll wait. (laughs) <laughs> I'll wait while you prepare it for me. While you speak with your manager. <laughs> um, all right. So, and then let's get to some of the, you know, some of the really extra special cars that we, especially, you know, were fond of in our childhood. Well, I'm going to start with the family truckster. Oh, okay. Just because yep. the 50-yard jump. 50, yes. When he says it's not something to be proud of. <laughs> right. And then he says, 50 yards. Yeah. Which, okay. So 50 yards, that would be uh, 150 feet. 150 foot jump. Okay. Now I'm trying to think about, <laughs> well, I, th- I think offhand though, that that exceeds any of the general's jumps. I'm pretty sure on the show it does. Yeah. Two, the number 200 is, is in my mind. All right. Anyway. So. Okay. So we're going to go to Kit. Yeah. All right. Because Kit, 82, 84 Firebird Trans Am. Yes. Basically. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, on one of the episodes, it comes out of the back of a trailer of a semi. Yeah. Spins around. Yep. It's in pursuit mode. Mm-hmm. Remember the buttons on the car? Oh, yeah. So all of a sudden, hits the turbo boost button. And what happens when you hit turbo boost in the in the kit? Uh, it goes really fast? It immediately leaves the ground and flies oh. through the air. <laughs> it skips fast. It goes to flying. And in this one, it jumped through a cargo truck and took the whole load right off the back Whoa. of it. Boom. But <laughs> another one. It uh, it also used the button to jump over an orange charger. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm. This reminds me. It reminds me that, um, so you, you probably remember, but when, when Knight Rider came out, Gen- uh, Dukes of Hazard was ready on the air. Mm-hmm. And um, so NBC, uh, the Dukes was on what, ABC? Uh, no, CBS. Um, they started in 79, and Knight Rider didn't, didn't come on until, I think, 81, I want to say. So they, that, the Dukes was the immediate competition. Oh, of course. So I hadn't remembered, but um, I found that when they first launched, seeing them as the competition to beat, they actually took a uh, Dodge Charger, painted that, you know, <laughs> orangey red color, mm-hmm. put the numbers zero, 00 on the side, and did some photo shoots with uh, Knight Rider with this. And there was a thing where um, in, during, I think it was a promotion, I think a television trailer, they said that, you know, if you write into them and ask them for the secret Knight Rider information, they'll send you something. They didn't say what it was. But when you, when you got it, what it was is a, uh, like a tail of the tape printout of showing the a charger, an orange charger. The, the copy was black and white, but with a zero, zero, not zero, one. Uh, clearly, we know what that is. And side by side with Knight Rider, and it had its, you know, the statistics, it, all the specs. Yeah. And I thought it was funny that uh, some of the specs are, so some of them are, for the, for the general, for, for the quote-unquote general league, <laughs> they're what, you know, you'd expect for a car. So, for example, they, had, uh, they have the engine, engine type V8. But the engine type for kit, it says Knight Industries turbojet with modified <laughs> afterburners. Um, for the um, transmission type, generally automatic. Knight Rider, eight-speed microprocessor turbo drive with autopilot. Nice. Needs no driver. <laughs> I, I don't know how you compete with that. But yeah, so uh, you remind me. I'm not surprised that then in that episode you have them jump, literally jumping over their competition. Yeah. But if we go back to the Dukes of Hazard, Yeah. There is an episode with the General Lee, which we know as a 69 Dodge Charger. Right. Painted orange. Right. 01, flag on the top, Duke boys inside. Okay. They're cruising along. There's some bad guys in a barn, right? Right. Bad guys are up to no good as usual. Of course. So they're, the, the Duke boys are on their way to take care of this problem when Luke says, hey, there's a bale of hay with a pallet. Hit that thing, <laughs> Bo. He had a skill for spotting potential ramps. Yeah. So they hit a pallet. Uh-huh. on a bale of hay yeah. <laughs> and fly into the air while the bad guys are shooting at them. Of course. Hit the top of the barn. Uh-huh. <laughs> the whole barn comes down. <laughs> the General Lee is completely almost sideways coming yeah. out the other side. Mm-hmm. Cut scene, yeah. lands perfect. Oh, of course. Now, it yeah. gets even weirder at this point because yeah. at this point they both pop out of the, you know, how they do on the doors and they sit up. Right. And Luke just takes his shirt off. For no reason? I don't know why he takes that. <laughs> he's just sitting there shirtless now. Maybe he's in a CW show, a CW reboot. Yeah, I'm thinking, man, these hmm. guys are ahead of the curve with this whole yeah. taking the shirt off thing. So yeah. so once again, the General Lee proves why he hmm. is the ultimate TV show car. Why because thought? he took a barn down, yeah. jumping off a 
pallet on a <laughs> pile of hay, yeah. <laughs> completely sideways, took down a barn, yep. and still landed, yep. and gave them time to take their shirt. Well, maybe it knocked the shirt clean off of him. No, because like he slides up out and just oh. takes it off. Oh, yeah. You know, after all that excitement, he's all heated up. Yeah, I guess. As were their viewers. Huh. That was probably one of their highest rated shows, I'm guessing. I wonder if there's ever a scene where the in, on the Dukes... The General Lee, they do a little joke against, uh, you know, Trans Am, you know, a black Trans Am. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway. Didn't look any of that up. Yeah. But now there is an- another car from a super cool show. Yeah. That has the same kind of cutscene thing that makes me laugh. Yeah. Uh, the A-Team. Oh, I love that show. B.A.'s driving the van. Yep. Papard sitting next to him, whatever the hell his character's name was. Um, Hannibal Smith. Hannibal Smith. <laughs> or, yeah, not Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Smith. <laughs> no. So they're cruising along. The cops are chasing them. And B.A. drive. there's a big billboard, and there's cops in front of it, and it says, yep. please drive 55. <laughs> he yeah. comes right through the billboard with the van, <laughs> airborne. Yes. Okay? So the van's flying. Hmm. It's, once again, it's probably 150 feet. Yeah. Lands on its back tires and just bounces like crazy. Now, cut scene, they show them inside the, the van. Yeah. B.A.'s got this big grin on his face. <sighs> And they all just do that little wiggle thing, class. Like the director said, "All right, act like you just landed harshly." And they all just go. <laughs> they pop up, and they all seat. just kind of pop up a little bit and wiggle. <laughs> and you can tell yeah. they're they're holding it in <laughs> because they want to laugh. Because they probably had to take that scene like eight times because B A can't stop smiling. Mister mm. T is just all teeth in this scene. They know it's ridiculous. Yeah. Now I want to point out yep. on the fall guy, yep. which this truck did not make it far. Yeah. The fall guy's uh, Sierra. Yeah. This thing also does awesome jumps. Right. Um, there's a Porsche on the highway. In the opening cr- credits, a lot of these yeah. shows had the jumps. Knight Rider, Dukes, Fall Guy. So the truck jumps off an embankment onto the highway over a Porsche. Yeah. There's no cut. Uh-huh. You see the truck uh-huh. land and just bounce. Yes. From tire to tire to tire until it levels out and drives away. Right. That truck was bad. That is smart, too. Because, you know, using these, the Trans Am and the Charger, they probably couldn't, I mean, the car don't come with a suspension that would allow you to do that type of thing. Probably not. But if that 4x4 four four GMC uh, the, long bed. The 82 GMC Sierra truck that they were driving could do stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. So what you're pointing out is, you know, one of the great things about all these shows was the jumps. I mean, that was a, one of the, the cars were the star, but featuring... A jump every week. Yeah, they uh, they actually went out of their way to come up with ideas where, like, well, how can we jump things? Yeah. What hasn't been done yet? Yes. And I remember reading that Knight Rider and, and, and Dukes, they sort of forced each other to come up with, you know, bigger and more exciting jumps. Now, we know that mm-hmm. many of these shows, um, to do some of the stunts, uh, because of the expense involved, used s- the footage again and again. Dukes mm-hmm. is very famous for that. Um, and at some point, um, the Dukes wound up having to use models, actually RC cars that were filmed. This is in the last couple seasons mm-hmm. because finding chargers was impossible. They had gone through as many chargers as they could find. It's it's up to you know who you believe as to how many chargers were damaged in doing the show. But they they basically went through one charger every show because the front end of these cars gets trashed. As you're pointing out, they couldn't land four wheels down like no. that. Uh, or, or I guess you don't land four wheels down, but they couldn't land. They couldn't land, period. And drive away <laughs> like the like Cole Seaver's truck could. So I trust John Schneider, who says they, I think it was around 280 uh, chargers that they wrecked. But they had to use 68s and 69s because they couldn't find enough 69s 
There's a rumor that they used some other cars that they, you know, sort of tooled up to look like Chargers when they mm-hmm. needed to. I thought it was interesting in, in light of that, that Knight Rider had a similar situation. So Knight Rider, as you know, was a Trans Am, mm-hmm. but they modified the nose of it. The, the designer of the car modified the nose because he, he thought it looked cooler. And they added that red light inside that was like that Cyclone, Cyclone, Cylon Warrior type of situation. But so they ran into a similar problem where they had to get enough um, Trans Ams. But I read on uh, Road and Track that in the spring, and this is from something, actually they're quoting someone from Newsweek. Um, in the spring of 1983, a train transporting Trans Ams from a plant to auto dealers in California derailed. And although none of the cars were damaged, the state law said the cars couldn't be sold. So GM called up Knight Rider and sold the company 10 to 12 ca- cars for a dollar each. A dollar? Yeah. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I, I would too. Right. And if you don't know why he said that... <laughs> But the only stipulation was they had to give the car a damaged status when they were done using it because they couldn't sell the cars. Yeah. Which was fine. They, they were going to damage them anyway. Yeah, they were going to destroy those things anyway, so. And the sad thing about this that I learned was that the reason we only have five original uh, kits that survived the four-year production is because Universal destroyed the rest of them. So there were others. Um, but they rented a crane and dropped the wrecking ball on the ones that they didn't keep. They could have done a whole special about just destroying those cars. Yes. They dropped the ball on that. Oh, no, not, no, 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 no. To achieve a lot of the stunts in, in Knight Rider, they had to uh, have a, they had a lot of different versions of these cars. And mm-hmm. one of them was a, quote, driverless car where the driver was hidden. So kudos to all these stuntmen, including the stuntmen that had to drive a car with, you know, while not being able to see the way we do. Mm-hmm. And I've been with you when you drive. You, oh, have, yeah. you have all the windows there and all the steering wheel like normal, and you drive like a maniac. I do not. Drives like a maniac. I drive very slow and cautious. We shouldn't have gotten to Cedar Point as fast as we did that one summer. Bah. It's just geographically and, you know, temporarily impossible. Hmm. I disagree. Um, all right. So anything else that we miss? I think we're ready for the interview. So in just a moment, we'll be right back with Stuntman and member of the Northeast Ohio Dukes, Raymond Kahn. Once again, it's time for Our guest today literally risks his life to keep 1980s pop culture alive. As a member of the Northeast Ohio Dukes, he performs as Bo during an entertaining reenactment of scenes from the Dukes of Hazard. The finale of this theatrical performance reaches peak excitement when our guest straps himself inside a familiar-looking orange charger and jumps the car higher and farther than it flew during the run of our favorite TV program. Recently, the fascinating behind-the-scenes effort of developing the death-defying stunts of our guest was captured by filmmakers in two films, Stunt Life, The Wild Ride, and Stunt Life, The Bandit Project. To find out where you can see the live stunt performance or watch the films, visit northeastohiodukes.net. Please welcome to the show, Raymond Kahn! Hi, how's it going, guys? Good. We're doing good. Good, good, good. So thanks for talking to us today. So, Raymond, I can say this without a doubt, that you are the first guest we've had and probably the only guest we'll ever speak to that does more to defend 1980s pop culture than Ray and I do ourselves because you are risking your life 
for our favorite, uh, you know, pop culture from our, from our youth. And so, you know, if you weren't doing it, maybe Ray and I would have to do it, I, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Ray would have to do it. I want to do it. Uh, so I want to thank you for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for having me. You know, what we do is very unique. We're pretty much the only ones on planet Earth that does these type of events. So I'm glad to be part of it. <laughs> so, um, you know, just giving folks a little bit of backstory and, and you know, uh, you are you're a little bit younger than Ray and I. We are Ray and I are closer to fifty years old. I'm proud to say because we feel very youthful. Um, but you know, so you were born in the late seventies and you began watching the Dukes as a young person. Obviously, unlike Ray and I, who love the show, something else happened for you. You really connected it with in a way about it that um, far exceeds you know most folks' uh, fascination with the show. What was it about as a young man that you vibed with so uh, closely? There is just something about that orange car. You know? <laughs> I was too too young for Daisy. And I, I idolized Bo and, and Luke, you know, jumping the car. And I remember saying to, to my mom when I was very young that if if I ever had a general Lee of my own, yeah. that I would never ever have to stop for a school bus. <laughs> I'd never have to, have to stop at a at a stoplight you know sure. i would just launch the generally over them <laughs> and and you know fast forward you know in, in my life i actually did jump over you know you know three school buses with the general <laughs> <laughs> That's but uh yeah it started out when i was just young and i promised myself that i would definitely have a general lee one day um never thought that i would be you know jumping the car you know yeah. uh 24 times you know um, I just, I mean, that wasn't a dream of mine, but it just sort of happened by mistake, you know? Earlier in the episode, Ray and I were talking about how the 1980s, and so the Duke started in 79, but then the 1980s uh, was just filled with different vehicles, you know, television programs. You, you know, you had uh, Airwolf and Streethawk and Knight Rider and the Dukes, of course. So many different vehicles. We really had a fascination with cars as stars of programs in that era. So uh, you were ahead of the curve in that sense, because even in the end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s, you were just fascinated with cars already. That's where we were, we were headed. Did you otherwise find an interest in cars, or you know, generally, or was it just, like you said, that orange, something about that orange car? You know, I, my, my, I grew up in a very poor family, and our vehicles were constantly, you know, breaking down. And I had an uncle who owned a junkyard and two other uncles that ran Ohio service uh, gas stations, hmm. you know, so I grew up, you know, with the adult males in my family constantly wrenching and, and whatnot. And um, that has pretty much what got me, you know, uh, started, you know, being interested in cars. My stepfather, you know, he taught me, you know, how to change oil, you know, and um, <laughs> um, that's, I, as soon as I turned to uh, uh, 18, I was like, I got to find a charger. You know, I didn't even know that the General Lee was uh, a charger. At first, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you know, yeah. I had to learn that, you know. Yeah. But uh, that's how it all started for me. You know, thank God I had, you know, some adult men in my life that, you know, sort of led me in that direction, you know, uh, to be a mechanic and stuff. And that's what I do full time. I own an auto repair shop. And so that helps with building roll cages, <laughs> our stunt cars and stuff like that, you know. Yes. So. Wow, that's perfect. You're one of the rare folks who seems to be doing then what they were meant to do. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, I, 
ever since I started doing this, because I have a passion for it, you know, um, I was like, man, if I could have been born like 10, 15 years earlier, you know, maybe I could have been a, a driver, you know, for one of those iconic TV shows. Right. I guess I have to settle for the live entertainment <laughs> stuff. We're just trying to do our small part into keeping those iconic TV shows and movies alive for seven years, you know. When, when you guys perform, um, what exactly do you do stunt-wise? <clears throat> stunt-wise, if we're doing like a full theatrical Hazard County stunt show, we're flipping over a couple cop cars, flipping over a bad guy's car, flipping over an Uncle Jesse truck, uh, jumping a cop car, uh, jumping the General Lee. We have all the acting and fight scenes and shootouts and explosions. It's a pretty theatrical show, you know. It's like watching a live version of the Dukes of Hazard right in front of your face. It sounds like going to a theme park and seeing one of those stunt shows. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like that. We had uh, a show here uh, locally in Trumbull County at a fairgrounds a few years ago, and it was a hit. Everybody loved it. We had Sonny Schroyer, who played Enos, come out. He watched the show, right. and uh, it was it was a fun time. There's not too many family oriented things to do these days and everybody loved the Dukes of Hazard family show. Right. So that's why we get a lot of, you know, people coming out to our shows because it's a family oriented, uh, you know, show. Yeah. It was just, you know, you, you mentioned about, uh, your business tying your, your day jobs, tying so nicely to the stunt work that you do. And had you been born 10, 10 years earlier, I was just reading earlier today about the, the different folks that were involved in making the general lease for the shows. Um, you know, you probably know this better than I do, but at first it was uh, two brothers that were making them early on in the first season or two, and they sort of had a lot of flexibility. And you know, from episode to episode, they made v- vary a little bit of a, you know, some of the details. And it wasn't until later on that the the studio took over that and locked it down. As you know, they they needed these folks because they went through some like two hundred plus cars, you know, wrecking them. Right. Right. Yeah, the number's still sort of, you know, off. I don't think <laughs> yeah. they'll ever know exactly how many charges were used, but they're saying anywhere from 300 to 320 uh, chargers, 68 and 69, you know, chargers. I don't think they'll ever know. They went, like, through 800 sheriff cars. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, so double the amount. So I noted, I note that in 2007 you jumped your first General Lee, but I imagine you jumped something else before that, even if it was just a BMX bike on a piece of plywood uh, on a milk crate. Uh, how did you get your start from uh, mechanic to stuntman? We were we were a part of this uh, uh, Yankee Lake truck night, you know, out of Brookfield, Ohio, and we would bring the General Lee and our sheriff's car, you know, and put them on display and like sell like generally t-shirts and stuff like that and take pictures of people with the car and their last night they had approached me and said hey do you guys want to like you know do like a dukes of hazard night and i'm like sure yeah that would be awesome what do you want us to do and they said hey you can have like a raffle and you know trivia and a daisy deep contest and i said well that sounds sort of boring (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, if my name's going to be tied to something, I, it needs to be, you know, exciting, you know? So I talked to uh, the co-founder of the Northeast of how to do Rob Rush, my best friend. And I said, hey, we got this old 68 that it was a parts car, rested out, you know, no title, no VIN, no floors, frame <laughs> is wasted. Why don't we dress this thing up as a General Lee and we'll jump it? He was like, how are you going to afford a stunt guy to 
to do that. And I said, I'll just, I said, I'll do it. He said, you're crazy. I said, yeah, I know. And uh, it took us about three weeks to get the car ready. And uh, we packed the place. We broke every attendance record, the first jump that we did there. And it was a huge hit. You know, and since then, my life has changed. So, <laughs> so you say it takes three weeks to get the car ready, but what are you doing for those three weeks? I mean, you don't you had that one car that you could afford to jump and, and wreck, but were you jump? Did you jump any other cars prior to that as practice? <laughs> no, no, you don't practice. You just do it. <laughs> and and I hate to say I'm not proud to say this, but back then, for our first few jumps that we did, we did not have a jump vest. Oh wow! I sat on the seat, which is very dangerous. In fact, my second jump, sitting on the seat and landing flat, you'll have compression of your spine. Yeah, I felt like a like oh. a lightning bolt go through my spinal cord when I hit hit the ground. And I said, that's it. I can never, ever sit on the seat again. So we started uh, trying to figure out how to keep myself myself up off of the seats. And over the years, we've perfected with a jump vest that has D-rings on the back shoulders that mm. pulled me up with bungee cords that has quick releases. You know, So now I'm not even sitting on the seat. I'm going to get eight inches off of the seat. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I jump, I'm not even sitting on the seat. I'm just dangling with bungee cords, you know. <laughs> And uh, that saves your back. And I hate to say that we've had to learn the hard yeah. way. Oh, we goodness. didn't have the luxury of, you know, I heard somebody say, you know, the best way to learn how to do stuff is from a retired stunt guy. Yeah. But we didn't have that. We, mm-hmm. we did not have that. We had to learn it all the hard way. And I wouldn't recommend anyone taking the risk <laughs> that I took, you know, yeah. because, you know, I mean... I'm 42, but sometimes when I wake up, I feel like I'm 82. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you got lucky with that jump. Goodness, it could have gone a whole different way. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the 25 jumps that I've done, you know, I've never had a back problem at all. Yeah. Um, I've had some broken ankles. Uh, I broke my wrist in Detroit at the Autorama. You know, I've had a couple concussions. And I, my 15th jump, I landed so hard, and the car was like we we replated like the whole frame and, you know, try to make the car fly a couple different times, you know, yeah. the more weight we added to it, the head car was, I landed flat. I was wearing my jump vest, but my belts were so tight. I broke my collarbone. Oh boy. <laughs> you know? So yeah, there's a lot of risk and it's not for everyone. You know, it's, anyone can take a hard hit, but it's getting, getting hit hard, you know, and then getting back into the car. Are you a big evil Knievel fan? Because I'm pretty sure this is exactly how he got started. Yeah. Just doing it. Just doing it. Yeah. Just doing it. Just doing it. You know, and you know, we're not trying to take anything away from anyone, you know, no, no one will ever be as great as the originals who did those shows and stuff like that. We're not trying to do that. And for some reason, you know, I, we don't get the credit we deserve, you know, and I'm not really asking for credit for myself, but, you know, my crew deserves all the credit, you know, for, for helping me build the cars and going along on these crazy journeys. But, you know, that's like the, the original stuntmen and the people who built the cars and whatnot, they, they just, they frown upon what we're doing because, you know, I was told that, you know, they just don't want anyone else doing it. You know, it's, you know, we're not trying to take anything away from them. We're trying to honor them. This is why we're doing it to honor them. So you mean, you mean like professional stunt, professional stuntman? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, the guys who did the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. They don't, they don't embrace us, you know, it's like they, they get jealous or something of us, you know, and, and, but they have to realize that, that their time has passed, you know, 
and the sun will set on my time too. You know, I'm 42 years old. I don't know how many more years I can keep this, but you know, we're just trying to do our, our little part, you know, should the stunts and everything die with the show, you know, or can like a fan like me try to do whatever he can to keep that Dukes of Hazzard spirit alive for everybody. Are you training a younger person to take over for you eventually then? My, believe it or not, my daughter, you know, she's, she's, uh, she'll be 15. She actually wants to get started. <laughs> wow. In the summer doing stuff, stunts. Yeah. Wait, what has mom said about that? <laughs> <laughs> my wife's not too happy, but you know, I know my daughter's going to be safe, you know, because uh, I'd never let her do anything that's going to, you know, get herself, you know, like, injured or, or whatnot. But, um, I mean, we're pretty safe in those cars. We, we, we're in there so tight. We got it all dialed in. Yeah. You always plan for the worst. You know, and the, the first time, like, one of my drivers gets comfortable and say, I'm not afraid yeah. to do the stunt ball for you. I don't need you anymore mm-hmm. because I need you to be scared. Yeah. Being afraid to do the stunt is your best tool. Yeah. You know, being scared keeps you safe. Yeah, yeah we heard, uh, maybe when we talked to Eric Linden, uh, Eric Linden, we talked to a Marvel stuntman. I think he maybe said that exact same thing about being afraid. Um, so when you talk about the original guys, I didn't, the original stunt people did the show, I noticed that, and just so our, our, our viewers know. So what I uh, came across was that the, you know, the iconic jump that was the start of, in the credits of every episode, uh, that, that iconic jump was uh, 16 feet across, I'm sorry, 16 feet high, 82 feet across, and in 2008, uh, you surpassed that easily with a 22 foot, or 22 feet, how do I say this, 22 feet high jump? That sounds wrong. 22 feet mm-hmm. high and 110 mm-hmm. feet distance? That's insane. Right, right yeah. You really crushed it. <laughs> well, you know, back then there was not, no goals to reach. That was the, the, one of the first jumps, you know, it was done by... Craig Baxley. Um, so yeah, for that time, that was, that was a good jump, you know, but, uh, you know, later on in the series, you know, Alan White Jr., the late Alan White, which was, Alan was such a good guy. We talked often. He gave oh. me corners, you know, here and there uh, before he passed away. But, uh, it's like, he was, <laughs> you know, nobody drove to generally more than Alan. You know? He was probably one of the only ones that sort of liked what we were doing. You know, and uh, unfortunately, you know, he did pass away, but he holds the record on the TV show, you know, um, 237 feet, I believe. He he flew in Oxnard, California. What? That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about how a lot of trial and error. And also, I remember Eric Linden, the stuntman, talked to us about he does stunt coordinating and he's always surprised or shocked when he comes on set and people are who don't do stunts are saying, well, I'll just do this and I'll be fine. And he's like, no, that's not how physics works. You get a lot of that. I can I can tell you (laughs) when when we do our shows, you know, and I'm getting ready, you can hear people's comments, you know, yeah, let me jump that. I'll show you how to (laughs) how to do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, what, what what tweaks do you need to make to, you know, go from a 13-foot jump uh, to a 22-foot jump? You know, and, and what do you, is it ramp? Is it speed? More cement in the trunk? Yeah, definitely more speed. More speed. And yeah. um, we balance the cars. You know, we've been using the same weight box for the, uh, the generally for oh, probably 15 jumps, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, you know. There's a lot of math in it, and a lot of physics, and if you have a nice straight runway and you hit that ramp at 50 miles an hour, it will do the same thing every time. Hmm. Throw a crappy runway 
yeah. with bumps and divots and yeah. holes and stuff in it, and you're bouncing, the car is yeah. going to do something different every time. So we talked about how we don't know how many cars they trashed using uh, filming the show, but I always found it interesting, and you can help me with this because you're you know the technicalities of these things. That so you know as as so folks know they have to weight the trunk because otherwise the engine's so heavy that this thing would just you know go face first in nosedive. You'll nosedive. So yeah. they weighed it to balance it out, but in the show the weight was never enough. It seemed to me to save them from you know wrecking the front. You knew that thing. You you'd see in slow motion that the front end was just trashed, and then the you know of course Bo and Luke would drive away, and the car is perfectly fine. Right. Well, the stunt driver's worst thing is to land flat. Oh, okay. If you're landing flat, you're going to be laid up for eight months. Oh. And broken this and broken that, you know. I've landed flat probably about five times, and it's not fun. It's not fun at all. So we like landing on the nose. It's a lot easier for the driver. The car absorbs a lot of the shock, a lot of the impact. When the car lands flat, we absorb. That's weird. I would think the opposite. Isn't that weird? I would think having four tires hitting it, the energy would be dispersed through even more evenly than two, you know? Yeah, it's actually the opposite. You know, the car crunches up like an accordion. Mm, okay. You know, when it lands on the front wheels, you know? I could see that, When I you guess. land flat, it's one hit, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Knocked the wind out of you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I can... I can I remember there is a dash camera uh, footage of me saying, I can't breathe. <laughs> you know, I'm out of me. <laughs> like, Raymond, are you I'm okay? Like, are you okay? I'm like, I can't breathe. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> uh, I like that you could laugh about it now. <laughs> yeah, then I, I wasn't think... laughing. I think I've only been, out of the like 25 jumps I've done, I've only been red flagged once. Oh. And that was uh, Brookville, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it was hard landing. Never want to land like that again. What what causing the red flag that they were concerned? When I landed, I couldn't talk. I couldn't hardly, I, I couldn't breathe at all. And oh, okay. When they hmm. said, Raymond, are you okay? When I wasn't answering them and I was, you know, struggling to breathe. Yeah. You know, they, they threw up the red flag and paramedics came in. Oof. And, you know, they had to cut me out of my jump vest. Wow. And those are like $700 for, oh. <laughs> for those, you know. <laughs> So they cut me out of it. You know, I wear this yeah. vest that is sort of like a corset, you know, on a, on a, yeah. that, like a woman would wear and they right. tie it so, so tight. You can't even breathe, hmm. you know, cause you can't slip through it. Right. But it's very uncomfortable. Um, you can't breathe. Uh, you can't move at all. Um, I can move my eyeballs and my arms and legs and that's pretty much it. Wow. You know, when I'm in the car ready. You know, Ray and I have talked a lot about um, nostalgia. And we've learned uh, through the course of the show that it's powerful. And oftentimes folks are nostalgic because it's a, well, a couple of reasons. But one is our memories, we're just better at capturing memories at that time in our life and remembering them because we were younger and things are newer, so they're more vivid to us now. But the other thing is that we find a sense of comfort in it because, you know, it's, we know what, it's a closed chapter of our life. We know what happened, you know, and it's a simpler time. But Ray and I, to get be nostalgic, you know, we watch old movies, we play the occasional video game. You're putting your life on the line, can't you? Maybe there's a hobby out there you could get that uh, would have you coming home a little more in, in one piece. Have you ever considered doing some uh, something else? From from a very young age, I, you know, I always, I just wanted to be like a, some sort of star. When I was in the martial arts, I had to be the best at, uh, in our school, you know, and I won the tournaments that, you know, that uh, I went, I went to and competed uh, when I started playing football in high school. You know, I was our place kicker. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I was out on the uh, the field. You know, under the light stretch. I just loved, you know, performing in front of people. You know, 
So um, I, I think it's just, a, yeah, there's a danger, you know, but just the the performing in front of people and then the after, when, when it's all said and done and, and all the, the hard work that you put into it, you know, there's, uh, there's the children, you know, there's the special needs children uh, and fans that come up and they want your autograph and they want your picture and stuff right. like that. You know, that's a very rewarding feeling that you can't get that too many places. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we, we can't, we can't talk about, uh, before we move on, so I know you got some other jumps we want to talk about, but we can't, uh, we can't uh, talk about the generally and in, in these shows, I think without talking about the, the flag controversy, which, you know, and, and to be honest with you, Raymond, I don't know how to deal with this because, you know, Ray and I have talked about, there's, because when we just talk about what we want to talk about on the show, there's plenty of things from our youth that to us at the time seemed fine and now are, you know, considered controversial or questionable. In some cases for me, it's just straight up, yeah, like how did we like that thing? Um, so, so folks know you, you, you have in the Northeast Dukes have been, Northeast Ohio Dukes have been embroiled in their own sort of mild controversy because the flag is on the car. Uh, and you also had the flag, j- just like it was in Smoking the Bandit. You had a small uh, a Confederate flag on the front end of the of, of the, the car there too. Um, I, do I have a question? I don't know. I don't know that I have a question, except that I don't know. How do we? Clearly, since this has affected your business, I guess how do we move on from here? Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, last year, twenty nineteen. In fact, we're coming up on the anniversary here. Uh, the twenty fourth will be the anniversary of us getting canceled in Detroit with the bandit car because of the city council being the car racist. Yep. They, they Googled <laughs> smoking the bandit seeing that the car had the Georgia state flag. It wasn't a Confederate oh. flag. It was the Georgia state right, flag right. on the front of the, the, the car. And, um, thought we were going to have that on the car. And, um, we got banned for that, you know, and I seriously, I, it was a really, I'm still, you know, you know, in shock about you it. You remember all, the you date. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, what people re- really need to realize, you know, we're just a bunch of children from the seventies and eighties yep. that are trying to keep those iconic TV shows and movies alive. That's just, that's all we're doing. We're not trying to, make any type of political statement, you know? Yeah. Um, the, for the people who um, are offended, the people who want the the uh, uh, monuments to come down and stuff, if they would just realize that we're on their side, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're stuck in the middle, you mm-hmm. know? You know, you can't even have a, you know... Civil War reenactment anymore <laughs> because there's protests and stuff over the flag. I never thought about that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the the problem lies, you know, with racist people, hmm. racist people who have hijacked hmm. the Confederate battle flag and they're using it as a symbol of hate. That's the problem. Hmm. And for the people who are offended by that, they need to realize that we're offended too. We're on their hmm. side. Stop attacking the smoking yeah. bandit. Stop attacking the reenactors. Stop attacking the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, and take the the fight to the KKK to the hate groups. Right. You know, 
you can tell on my voice on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it hits you in several different ways, you know, uh, and, and certainly it's very close to home because it affects your business in some way. Okay, so let's move on then, um, and I appreciate your your perspective on that. So are there other cars, uh, vehicles from the era that you now have lined up that are beyond the Dukes? Other favorites from the 80s? Yes, yes. In fact, because they made, we got so popular with what we do. Yeah. Um, uh, we were uh, found by a film producer named uh, A.J. Satterfield from Highway Pictures. And he made, he was supposed to make just like a little 20-minute clip, yeah. you know, of our stunt show. When he found out that I had a hard drive filled with the past 11 years of stunts that we've done, he made a full theatrical movie. Oh, yeah. We named it Stunt Life. And then um, when that one came out, Hmm. the uh, dawn of the bandit jump was going to happen. So he said, Raymond, we need to make Stunt Life to the bandit project. (laughs) And and it will, you know, tell the whole story of, of how we build the cars, how we find the cars. And uh, then the, all this controversy came out about the flag. It made it made good. I mean, even though it was hard in real life, yeah. But it made good TV. You mm. know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So that one now is just being released, and it shows our whole journey. Even in uh, we went to the Good Old Boy Fest for Cooter, did the stunts for that, and um, at the end of that movie, it shows me walking into the warehouse, and I scream out, "Kit!" Oh. And then all of a sudden, you <laughs> see Kit roll around the corner. So we're going to be jumping kid at the Detroit Autorama uh, for 2021. What? Nice. Now, wait a second, though. You don't want to trash a car with a Cylon red eye going back and forth every time. That's got to be a pain. Oh, we're going to do it. Oh, <laughs> we're going to do it. Kit hasn't flown since the TV show ended. Yeah. Like in 86 or 87. Hmm. Um, it's time. In fact, I said that on the, uh, the film. Yeah, I said it's That's time. awesome. You can see that video if you go to our Facebook page. We will check that out. Uh, it's on there. <laughs> well, hopefully you can salvage that red light every time at least. Yeah, that's see, and that's what Stunt Life is about. It's about us adventuring outside of the Deuce of Hazard world to open up with an uh, 18-jump uh, uh, oh, fall guy. That's right. next. That's after the kit jump. Awesome. Fall guy. Well, that's exciting. Raymond, I want to thank you for keeping our you know memories from our childhood alive and i think it's just further proof like we're saying on the show of all time that the pop culture of the 1980s was you know the greatest uh so much so that it would have someone like yourself risking life and limb on a regular basis to you know keep that spirit alive and so we're grateful for that and also grateful for your time today thank you that that means that means uh, a lot to me and uh, i appreciate that so, do you know what we learned today? I know or what we proved. Yeah, actually. what did we? What have we proven today? We have proven yep. beyond a shadow of a doubt. Wow. Okay. That the eighties mm-hmm. had the best shows with cars. That's yep. Hands down. That, that's not even debatable. Yes, it proves itself. Yeah, objectively, that's not even an argument. Right. See that? Now you're coming around to the objectively, right? I kind of, I actually understand what it means now. Yes, that we've proven that too, that you can learn. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll talk to you next time on The Idiots. See ya. 